as we enter into the service of the word. Join me as we pray for illumination. Dear Lord, I pray that you would quiet our minds, open our minds and hearts, that we may hear your word, you might plant it in our hearts, and that it will bear fruit. We pray for Pastor Joe Veltman as he brings us your word as well. And thank you for this part of the banquet. Amen. The reading today, the scripture, is from Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who seek all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow enough for today. The word of the Lord. Anxiety. As the pandemic first began, people worried about COVID in all its permutations. And now, we are told, people are dealing with post-pandemic anxiety. They're worried about readjusting to life with people around, from anxiety to anxiety. And just listen to the daily news. Wars and rumors of wars. Climate change and crime. The economy and politics. And then, of course, everyone has their own challenges. Health concerns, bills, drug addiction, family challenges, you name it. In a recent survey, I heard that almost 60% of young women reported feeling sad and hopeless. There's a lot of bad news out there, folks. The Bible, fortunately, has a prescription for that. 
A prescription is written in the blood of Jesus Christ, the great physician. I find it fascinating that the Heidelberg Catechism begins with words of comfort. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I'm not my own, but belong body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in, in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things work together for my salvation. This underscores Jesus' teaching in Matthew 6. Do not worry. The birds don't worry. The wildflowers don't worry. Follow their example. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. The Bible and our own experiences reveal two sharply contrasting views of life. Shakespeare's Macbeth laments in a hugely politically incorrect dirge, life is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Sound and fury, just noise, that's, that's all life is. The writer of Ecclesiastes laments, Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. The older version has it. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. By contrast, the view of faith affirms that life is not, after all, a meaningless, pointless series of ups and downs. The Catechism. What do you understand by the providence of God? Answer. Providence is the almighty and ever-present power of God by which God upholds as with his hand heaven and earth and all creatures and, and so rules them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all things, all things, in fact, come to us, not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. Wow. As the Negro spiritual puts it so aptly, he's got the whole world in his hand. He's got the wide world in his hand. He's got the preacher and the teacher. He's got the you and me brother, you and me sister. He's got the whole world and all of us in his hand. But that poses a problem. My steadily thinning hair is not an accident. 
I have been going bald by design. <laughs> Not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. But all losses are not so trivial, are they? Our losses range from, range from the trivial to the annoying to the serious and to the tragic. But these also come to us not by chance but from the hand of our Father in heaven. Wow. As the saying goes, man proposes, God disposes. I learned something interesting years ago about quilts. The Amish, for instance, deliberately sew a flaw into the design of their quilts. This is a humble confession that we all fall short of the glory of God. None of us makes anything perfect and flawless. But it also strikes me that it is a testimony of faith that God weaves the imperfections of life into the fabric of our histories. These come to us not by chance, from his, but from his fatherly hand. The history of Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his jealous brothers, climaxes with Joseph's gracious confrontation of his brothers. But then he says this, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God means it for good. There are people who have it in for you, and Satan always means you ill. But God directs all things for our good. Sometimes I think it is like Judo. Judo, you know, is not about a direct confrontation, but it uses the aggression of those who, who are fighting you against them. They come at you and you duck and you pivot and whatever they do, I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but they use the other person's own momentum to throw them. That strikes me that God is saying that that's, that's what I'm doing with the evil one. I may not avert all evil, but I will turn to your prophet. I will use its momentum and turn it for you instead of against you. Wow. And the point I want to emphasize is not that we adopt now a kind of fatalistic attitude, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be, and not a kind of Pollyanna which attitude which just conveniently says, well, you know, there's bad stuff. Well, but we're going to emphasize the good stuff. There's a false teaching about God called deism. And the 
idea of deism is that God created the world sort of like a, a clockmaker who makes a clock, and then he winds it up, and then he lets it go. Hands off. And that God just creates the universe, started it off as, oh, okay, now you're on your own. Or, or like, you know, when you're teaching a little one to ride a bike, and you run along beside him, and you're on your own now. You let him go, okay. Either you're going to make it or you're not, but you're on your own now. No. God is at work in our lives and works in our world. However, the comfort of a divine providence comes with the built-in challenge. We can't dismiss the trials and the tragedies of life with the cliché, well, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Each one is a test of faith. Do we really believe in both the power and the goodness of God at the same time. Corrie ten Boom, a Dutch woman who provided a hiding place in her home for Jews after the Nazis invaded the Netherlands, and who herself was imprisoned by them, put it this way, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. There's no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. Do we believe that? That G-O-D stands for greatest of designers? When I gave this sermon its title, I, I toyed with calling it Providence. But I decided against that. Providence is an abstraction, it's a concept, but I'm not really preaching about providence so much as I am proclaiming the good news, the gospel of a Father in heaven who provides, the provider. That's who we believe in. Listen again to Jesus' words. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, Look at the birds of the air. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. Not even Solomon in all his splendor was arrayed like one of these. So do not worry. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and its righteousness, and all these things will be yours as well. I like the way Paul phrases it in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but an answer to God. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Listen to how Paul practiced what he preached. It's recounted for us in 2 Corinthians 11, 24 and following. There he lists in detail the many mishaps he has had in life. 
He was beaten with whips five times, beaten with rods three times, and once he was even stoned. He was shipwrecked three times, and then he says he was threatened by rivers, bandits, fellow Jews, Gentiles, and endured many days of hunger. And nevertheless, after many sleepless nights and so forth and on and on and on, he says that he had some wonderful experiences. Maybe out-of-body experiences, we don't quite know. But he said he had visions and saw things inexpressible. He couldn't put them into words. And he even says he was caught up into paradise. Wow. And then he switches back and he adds that he was also afflicted <laughs> with what he calls a thorn in the flesh. Prob probably severe eyesight problems, though we're not sure. He says that's to keep him humble. And the crucial revelation comes in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8, where the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Jesus also became flesh and weak. Do note that. He was crucified, died, and was buried. But the power of the cross undoes the kingdom of Satan and ushers in the kingdom of God's glory. Well, that's, that's Paul, huh? He was a giant of the faith, though he probably wouldn't say that himself. And Jesus, after all, is no less than God in the flesh. But how do us ordinary little folks take a cue from these words in 1 Corinthians 13? When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought as a child and reasoned like a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Taking a cue from these verses, let me try to bring this home to you with this perspective, which I find helpful. Babies will wail. Huh? They will let out a caterwauling, and if you didn't know, you'd better you think, oh, that child is in trouble. <laughs> but you know, it's probably just hungry. Yeah. All it's really saying is, feed me. <laughs> or when toddlers take a tumble and scrape their elbows and their knees, they usually cry. Man, oh man, they, mommy, 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 mommy. And mommy puts a Band-Aid on and says, you'll be all right. You'll be all right. Maybe when they're teenagers, though, it changes, huh? Or as an adult, you take a tumble, ouch. Maybe you put a Band-Aid on it, and that's the end of it. Huh. 
Paul, I think, sums it up this way. For this light and momentary affliction is prepared for, has prepared for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Suppose you live to be a really ripe old age, a hundred years or so. That's just a drop in the bucket compared to the ocean of eternity. And by contrast, just think of the difference between a lifespan with troubles for sure and an eternity that goes on and on forever and ever and ever, basking in the glory of God. Here is the good news. Even the tragedies of life are temporary, and they are more than balanced by the weight of glory that awaits us. Amen. Will you join me in prayer now? This prayer is based on the book of Habakkuk. Though the vines no grapes are bearing and the fig tree does not bud, though the olive crop should fail us and the fields produce no food, yet since God is our salvation, we will still our time. Surely the revelation will come at its appointed time. Wait still for it, though it linger. For the Lord is in his temple. Let all the earth in silence wait till the earth be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Amen.